This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're close to the end of January, and I know this is a month where many people are thinking of setting up new routines and better systems for the coming year. If you'd love to feel less frazzled and more organized in the mornings, I put together a completely free five-day challenge for you called Five Days to a Better Morning. When you sign up for this challenge, I'll send you a short email every morning with a simple project for you to complete that day to help you start your day well. Each of the projects are simple but straightforward, and I can guarantee they will make a big impact. Plus, when you sign up, you'll also get access to an exclusive Facebook group that has daily videos from me just for those of you who are going through this challenge. I want us to all be able to keep each other accountable to follow through with our daily projects and commitments. So if you'd like to join me for the five days to a better mornings challenge and start your days more successfully, just go to crystalpain.com forward slash mornings to sign up. Like I said, it's free and you can start immediately after you sign up. Once again, that's crystalpain.com forward slash mornings. And of course, we'll have a link to this in the show notes. On today's show, I'm going to share with you something I've recently changed in my evening routine that has made a big difference. And I'll tell you about the very first book I read in 2019 and how it has motivated me in unexpected ways. 
Then my husband, Jesse, is coming back to continue our conversation, sharing our story of the early years of our marriage. We'll talk about some important lessons we learned through some hard seasons of life. And then I'll close out the show by telling you my word of the year for 2019. I didn't mean to keep you waiting so long, but I'm finally going to tell you about it, and I'm going to share why I'm so excited about it. For our What's Saving My Life segment today, this is the part of the show where I talk about something that is making my life easier, better, or more productive. I want to talk about a decision I made for 2019 that has made a big difference for me already. It might seem so simple, but I can't believe how much of a difference it has made. What was that decision? Well, I decided to stop using my phone as an alarm clock. Yes, I bought a real alarm clock. I'll share the link to the one I got in the show notes. And I'm using that instead of my phone at night. This way, there's not the temptation to check my phone last thing before I go to bed and first thing when I get up. Also, I'm keeping my phone in the basement at night. This is to help me to actually follow through with this decision because I know myself and I know that if my phone's in the other room, it's really easy to just go in there and get it. But if it's all the way in the basement, I'm a little bit lazy, so I just won't go down there and get it and I'll just go to bed. I can't believe what a difference this has made for me. Not only are my evenings quieter and I'm consistently going to bed earlier because uh, there's not Instagram to scroll at night or direct messages to respond to or text to answer, but I love that when I wake up in the morning, I don't check email and Instagram first thing because that's what I had been doing. Instead, I usually am making myself a cup of tea, reading my Bible, writing in my gratitude journal, and reading a devotional. And then I go downstairs and get my phone and get on the treadmill. It's been such a great way to start my day. My book pick for this week is the very first book I read in 2019. It's called Deep Work. Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World, and it's by Cal Newport. This book is actually one that I had planned to read in 2018, but I didn't get around to it, and I'm really glad I saved it for the beginning of 2019 because it was the perfect book to kick off the year. I'll be honest and say it's a little more scholarly than most books I read, but I'm so glad that I stuck with it because it has really challenged me to think how I'm approaching life and work and whether I'm investing time every day into what the author refers to as deep work, that kind of work that is meaningful and really makes a difference. The author encourages you to have periods every day where you are completely offline and not distracted by all the hustle and bustle of life. This is to allow for this deep work. One of my hopes for 2019 is to do a better job of compartmentalizing my work and family life. I want them to be better separated so that I'm not constantly trying to multitask and I can be more fully present in whatever box I am, whether it's the work box or the family box or some other box. And I love that many of the thoughts and strategies in this book can really help make this a reality. If you struggle to focus or get things done, or maybe you wish that you could be more structured in your day, or you just like to look back on your week and guarantee that you devoted time to work that really matters, I think this book would be a great book to read. Again, it's called Deep Work, 
and I'll be sure to link it in the show notes. I remember being a little kid and wanting so much to be able to write a check to pay for something. Maybe I'm just weird, but I was so excited when I was finally old enough to get my own checking account and my own checkbook and write my own checks. I know that checks sort of seem like something that people don't really use anymore, thanks to so many other forms of payment. However, did you know that over 20% of the U.S. still uses checks in some form or another? Checks are a safe way to send payments and record those payments. And if you need to regularly or occasionally write a check, I've got a great deal for you thanks to Checks Unlimited, this episode's sponsor. If you are a new customer to Checks Unlimited, you can get two boxes of checks for as low as $4.74 each with free shipping. This is a limited time offer, so you'll want to jump on it and take advantage of it. To get this special offer, just go to the show notes and click on the link to my post all about Checks Unlimited. In that post, I walk you through the simple steps you need to take to get this great deal. And Checks Unlimited has so many fun designs that you can get on your checks with this offer. There are Disney designs, nature designs, animal designs, inspirational designs, sports teams designs, and so much more. This is the best deal I've seen on checks in a long time, so I recommend checking out the link while you can. Once again, just go to the show notes and you'll be able to get the link for this deal from Checks Unlimited. And a big thank you to Checks Unlimited for sponsoring this episode. I'm excited to have my husband, Jesse, back on the podcast today to continue sharing our story of the early years of our marriage together. And it's actually the day that we're recording this, kind of a special day because it is our 16-year anniversary. But I'm a little bit upset because Jesse managed to tell me happy anniversary first this morning. It always is a little bit of a joke to see who can... or more of a competition, I would say. Yeah, def- definitely a competition. To see who can say happy anniversary I, first. I got, I got up like 30 minutes early to do it. Too, he got up and... really early this morning, woke me up. No, no, no. I didn't wake you up. You just happened to wake up. I was stirring and you well, said and, happy and, anniversary. And you tried to cheat because yesterday, I on said two it, different it was... occasions, you said, in case I forget, happy anniversary. No, I said, in case I'm not early, first. Early happy anniversary. So I said, no, that doesn't count. Technically, I was first. But anyway, at least okay. I remembered this year. Yes. At least she remembered because a few years, both of us have forgotten. But anyway. And then she forgot one year. <sighs> you for, yes. Yes. Okay. So one year he sent me flowers and these flowers showed up and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Jesse sent me flowers. And I, I was like, but why did he send me flowers? Like what, what would he have sent me flowers for? Just randomly? Oh, he is so sweet. And I opened up the card and it said happy anniversary. And I was like, <laughs> what? Oh, it's her anniversary, and I, I completely that date forgot. Familiar. <laughs> anyway, happy anniversary! Happy honey. anniversary to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> you already said it, so. But I'm saying it on the podcast first, well, exactly. So, and it'll last, you know. Anyway, so if you missed our previous episode, that was episode 13. You'll want to go back and listen to it to help you get some context for today's episode. Last episode. Jesse interviewed me and I kind of shared really vulnerably about breaking free from legalism and my journey in that regard. And a lot of people wrote in and they asked questions about this, but their questions, a lot of them were saying, well, how did Jesse feel about that? And what was his journey like? And so 
today, I'd like to turn the tables and I am going to interview Jesse and ask him more about that time period of your life. And then we're going to talk some about just that, the hard season of life that that kind of led into. So Jesse, can you talk about, you know, we just had Catherine, you were still in law school and I was going through this sort of big mindset shift. Tell us what was it like for you? Well, your mindset shift, I really didn't start keying in on until probably after we moved to Wichita. And that was uh, where it really started looking different just because we had been gone for so long. You know, growing up, we weren't as legalistic as you were. And so, as in we, as in your family. And my family, right. And we did, did some things and had freedoms that you didn't do or didn't want to do and wouldn't allow yourself to do. So I think that maybe the effect for me was not quite as difficult or as hard Mm -hmm. uh, because of that. But I think more of the transition came when you were wrestling with who am I in Christ and, and that struggle that you went through and saying, okay, what is the gospel really? Mm-hmm. and going through that in Wichita. And that was very impactful for me. Yeah. And I think that that's just a journey that we've mm-hmm. both really been on of understanding the gospel and grace and how that really deeply impacts every single area of our life, that we don't have to do more, be more, achieve a certain standard, try harder, be better, but right. that we are loved. And when that verse, you know, it is finished that Christ died so that we can live And not that we can live up to a certain standard, but that we can live as loved because we're so loved by him. And then out of that love, that is, we want to walk in in obedience and honor him because we are so loved. We love him. Right. But I know that that time period for me was just, there was a lot of mindset shift and a lot of things that I feel like there was the rug being pulled out from underneath me in a lot of ways of, we feel like we'd kind of done everything right. Well, and I too think that maybe during that time, I was so focused on work stuff that I was going through Mm -hmm. that maybe I wasn't as tuned in to that struggle that you were going through. But you had some things that you were struggling through yourself. I did as far as that was work related mm-hmm. and uh, job related. And, you know, growing up, I'd, I'd always thought that my worth was in what I did. Mm-hmm. And that carried over well into until honestly several years ago mm-hmm. and defining myself by my work. And when we went through some difficult periods of job loss shortly after law school and then another job loss a year later. And then the fact that their job market was so dry at that time and for the longest time for new attorneys coming in, there wasn't work to be found. Mm-hmm. And especially after some of the political ramifications that we had gone through, it made it even more difficult to find work. So, And so you finished law school. Talk about that and graduating and then Where did you see yourself after law school? Sure. Well, after law school, I continued working for the attorney general's office in Kansas, which is where I had worked during law school as a clerk in the 
um, civil litigation division, which is great. This is mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. I wanted to do uh, federal civil litigation. It was kind of your dream it was. job. It was a great fit. I enjoyed it and uh, got to do some really cool things that I would not have gotten to do otherwise and some legal writing that meant before the U.S. Supreme Court was one brief that I had written. And then my boss lost his election. See, I graduated in September and I had been working there for a couple years at that point mm-hmm. and then stayed on as an attorney there. And you thought you were going to stay on for at least the next few years. Correct. And it was going to be this really great kind of bridge job to get your foot in the door with then another job in right. a few years. Yeah. So then he lost his election and that was in November. So I was there a total of, I mean, well, we left December 31st. So come January, actually it was end of January. It wasn't December 31st. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit into January. So then we ended up going to Kansas City and moving to work at the district attorney's office there. And I went with him when we went over there. And that was a very eye-opening experience for me. And I remember him losing the election was just pretty devastating to us because we assumed like, here, God has opened up this door and here we're going to have this, you're going to have this great job and it's going to be great. And we're finally going to not be living on such beans and rice because we had been living on so little during law school. Right. And and there was another aspect to that too. And that was, I was politically active up to that point Mm -hmm. and honestly had not gone to a, an election party where we had lost. Mm-hmm. So the first election party that I went to where we had lost, I had also lost my livelihood. Mm-hmm. So that was, and I mean, that was another big thing because going from graduating, then coming on as an attorney, uh, working for the state, that was a huge jump for us income wise. It was over three times what we, we were had making, been making plans of moving, of getting a duplex. I mean, mm-hmm. we had gone and was, we were looking for new housing because mm-hmm. we were in our basement apartment for three years and it was like, we were so excited about it. It was like a punch in the gut. Yeah. And, uh, and I was pregnant with Caitlin at that point and in the middle of morning sickness with her and we go to that election party and I just remember it was just devastating. Like we just couldn't even really like believe that it actually had happened. But then it was the thing of, what are we going to do? Because you hadn't done any of the job. A lot of the last year of law school, they'll bring in the, you, you can explain it better, but like they bring in the big law firms, come oh, in right, and do yeah. all the interviews. And, do the interviews. And, so and I most, really didn't do any interviews people, because we had a job had lined your up. Job. So. Yeah. And most people already, you have your job the last year of law school. Like right. that's, you don't. A lot of people do. You don't graduate and then go find a job. Typically you already know what firm you're going to be working for. And so it was very devastating for us in the sense of what are we going to do? And now we have no money, no money in our bank account because we we had drained it dry in order to finish paying for law school. we had a little bit, but it was pretty much bone dry. Yes. And we knew you were going to keep working there through I think it was, I feel like it was the first or second week of January. It was the first week in January. My first day in, in the district attorney's office was January 7th. So we didn't know what we were going to do. And I remember every day just waking up and we had no idea. And you started just looking at all sorts of opportunities and possibilities because you didn't know that you, they were going to ask you to come with right. them. We, and so we went down and traveled for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then we left from that Christmas trip, drove back up to Kansas City and 
found out on our Christmas trip that that was going to happen. And I think we had five days to move we, or something. Yeah, we had five days to move and pick the house. Uh, duplex. Duplex right on the spot. Mm-hmm. And made that turnaround. And so then you go into that job thinking, well, this is great. This is going to be a, this is going to be a good job. Great. Um, it wasn't exactly what you wanted to do, but it was a job and it was going to pay the bills. Right. You want to talk a little bit about that job? So, yeah, no, it was, I was excited about it. I was a, honestly was rather naive, I think going into it, mm-hmm. honestly, and not knowing what would be expected of me. And it was a very steep learning curve mm-hmm. and I got off on the wrong foot. It was a very politically charged situation and I really wasn't up to the task. And in looking back at it, there's a whole lot I could have done in that situation to redeem it. Mm-hmm. And I think I was so focused on, I mean, you were, had a very bad pregnancy mm-hmm. and almost died mm-hmm. with Caitlin. Mm-hmm. And um, that was right smack dab in the middle of all this. And so Plus they were requiring you to work crazy work hours, crazy hours mm-hmm. and in an aspect in an area of law that I, n- I never thought I would have ever practiced, mm-hmm. but it was very interesting because it kind of teed things up for later on. And it, it's just neat to see how God works in that way. And an area that I never would have thought that I would have even got close to practicing. I ended up practicing in full time, especially uh, later on, on my own. Mm-hmm. So but I just remember that time, I remember coming home, we only had one vehicle, so that was the challenge because you had to commute quite a ways. Mm-hmm. So I was home with Catherine all day. We didn't, we'd moved to this new area, didn't really know anyone, and I'm pregnant, and we're trying to live on really little. And then I remember one day, so you're working crazy hours. One of my friends came and she picked me up and we were taking this class at Hobby Lobby. It was a cake decorating class. And she would pick me up to take me so that I could have transportation there. And we came home one evening and I'd gotten home kind of late and Catherine and I came in and it was all dark. And I thought, he's got to, like, this is really weird. Why is he not home? And I came into the house. There were no lights on. It was pitch black. And you were laying on the couch, I think this was probably three or four months into your job, and you were just completely overwhelmed, just not even functioning because you were just felt the weight of this job and the hours they were requiring you to work and the pressure that they were putting on you and just kind of the tension at the office. It was just completely overwhelming you. Yeah, it was. It was over. And then add on top of that, what was going on personally with you? So. Yeah. And because we had moved right in the middle of my pregnancy, I think we moved when I was, I don't remember exactly, but I should have had a prenatal appointment before we moved. But because we were moving, I was like, I'm just going to wait to have my first appointment right. until we move. We'll find a midwife because we wanted to use a midwife. We had found a midwife. We ended up having to switch midwives because... Because it didn't... Or something, and something like that. didn't... I don't yeah, remember and, what it was. But so I had had blood work done but they never got the results in. So it was, I think I was close to 30 weeks before I actually had an official appointment and got blood work because of all the everything and because of your job and because we only had one car. And so I had the appointment, they did the blood work and I was severely anemic and my hemoglobin level had gone, it was like at a six or seven 
And so they put me on all these iron pills, iron supplements, iron everything to try to help with that. But then I just got progressively worse and worse. And then there were all these weird signs that were showing up like blood in my urine and just weird things that were going on. And so then they ended up hospitalizing me. And I remember that night, I think I was 35 weeks along at this point. And they, mm-hmm. there were right. all these weird signs. My platelet counts were super low. Was that when your mom was in town? No, no one. We were by ourselves. Okay. And so I we m- remember then Gretchen, my sister came up like immediately because you had to go to work. You couldn't take out right. work. And we had this two-year-old that needed to be cared for. And we didn't really have any friends or any support. And so they hospitalized me. And then um, I just remember that night there was, they said, we don't know what's wrong. There's all these weird signs. And they said either lupus or leukemia. Those are the only things Maybe you have cancer. Like they're just, they just threw out all these things, but they were like, whatever it is, it's something really life threatening. And so it was very scary. I was in the hospital all by myself. We didn't have support. You had to go to work. And at that point, your job was it was kind of up in the air, kind of in point. jeopardy because they were, it was just the tension. And they had already told you, like, if things don't change, you're going to have to put in your two week notice. And there was just so much. I just remember feeling kind of just this weight of like, what am I going to do? I can't leave. Like, I can't die now because I, you need me. My two kids need me. Like, I have a baby in the womb. Like, I can't die. And I just remember praying and praying that night, like, God, please, like, I need a miracle. I can't, like, I can't die tonight. And, uh, you know, find not that I was going to die that night, but like find out that something like they were acting like they were running tests. It was just they, and they couldn't figure out. The good news was they ran so many tests that we knew that I was healthy and just really- about every single area of my life. But it was the weirdest thing because all these signs, all these things have been happening. And then the next day, everything just went away. And do you remember that? Where it was no. just like they... They said, we don't know what, we don't know what to attribute this to. And then finally, after I was in the hospital for five days, they ran, they were taking four tubes of blood every four hours. And it was just, I was to the place of like, I can't do this anymore. And then finally they were like, you know what? We can't find anything wrong with you. So we think it's just pregnancy related anemia. Yeah. And you need to deliver your baby. It's interesting because I don't remember a whole lot of that. Yes. And I think it's just because mm-hmm. I was so aloof and, yes. and because of the stress. And I know that for me, a lot of my health issues were related to me not taking care of myself because I was still trying to run this online business, had a two-year-old, you were so stressed at work, and I couldn't really even think of, I mean, I remember looking back, I'm like, I hardly ate any protein. I hardly, I wasn't taking care of myself. I didn't hardly go to any midwifery appointments because life was just so full. And and I know that I, I can live with a lot of regret of that, but ultimately, you know, I think stress affects so many mm-hmm. areas of our lives. And I know, I feel like my pregnancy, it was because of stress Interesting. and not taking care of myself, but the not taking care of myself was because of the stress. I mean, that's what I attribute it to. Cause I don't, I don't know what else, but so they released me from the hospital and then 
said that you need to have your blood work done every single day. And if your hemoglobin and platelet count goes below a certain amount, then we have to deliver immediately. You have to get a transfusion. And they said, and we need you to deliver this baby as quickly as you can. And so then I remember I was able to go to 38 weeks and then they induced me, but they couldn't give me any sort of drugs I was not ready to go into labor, but I wanted to have a natural birth because I'm stubborn like that. Was not ready to go into labor at all because I always, with Catherine, I was two weeks over and with Silas, I was one week over. So my body was not ready to go into labor. And it was an extremely difficult birth because of just trying to get my body to do something it didn't want to do, couldn't have any drugs, but we made it through that. And then I remember I was in the hospital, had just delivered her. And again, like your job, they were saying to you, you're going to have to put in your two-week notice. Right. Yeah. I was told some things I needed to do to get better and to work on some things. And because of everything that was going on, my focus was not entirely on fixing my performance at work. And I just made the decision, okay, we needed to move on. And, and so, and, and yeah, that, honestly, a t- well, a ton of weight was lifted off of our shoulders because of that. Mm-hmm. It added some new stresses mm-hmm. because of the lack of employment possibilities. So, so yeah, I just remember that was a really difficult season of our life. And then it even got worse after she was born because I got. I had postpartum depression. That's when you first started finding out about the postpartum depression. And you couldn't and, find a job and money just... And you didn't even realize that that's what no, you had. That, I was just... I was ugly to you. Ugly. It was... No, you were still pretty, but you, <laughs> I mean, your attitude was ugly. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was more than ugly. I yelled at you every single day. Uh, more than... I mean, I cried and yelled, you know, and called you terrible names because it was like, you can't get a job. Like, we, you know, we have to provide. I'm just going to well, take the girls. I'm leaving you. And that, uh, again, plays into the you are what you do mm-hmm. and, and defining myself by what I did mm-hmm. and the fact that I couldn't provide for you as I sh- knew I needed to. I was a failure. Well, and I know that my words to you just cut you down so much worse. And I just think I, I mean, I've asked forgiveness of you multiple times of just like that time period in a life. And I remember before that time period of just thinking, how could anybody ever get a divorce? I mean, how could you get a divorce? And then here I was for months, I think it was three months that you were unemployed and right. pretty much every day I was threatening to leave. And I feel I like- I remember that, but- I feel like- God had to humble me and take away this pride of like, in every area, he took away the job, he took away our support, and he I took away a, a finances. Lot of that was because we had a lot of pride. Yeah. We had, because of our, because of the legalism and mm-hmm. because, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. This is where, you, this is a status. This is, you know, uh, what you do defines who you are. It's all based upon pride. And God was just stripping that from us mm-hmm. to- Show us what real grace is and who he is. Yeah. So it was that time in Kansas City then I feel like that some really amazing things happened out of that very broken place in our life. And there's so much redemption that we can look back on. And so I'm going to save that for next time and we'll continue and share the redemption that came out of those really hard 
ugly places and how God has done things far beyond what we could ever dream or imagine, but he needed to take us to that low, low place in every area of our life so that we could then have that redemption. Because I don't think it ever would have happened without Oh, I completely agree. That. Yeah. I loved hearing from so many of you about the word you chose for 2019. And I promised you back in the beginning of January that I'd share the word that I chose for myself for this year. I didn't mean to keep you all in suspense for so long over my word, but I really wanted to have a space to be able to tell you and give you the full backstory on it and explain what it means to me, because it's a little bit of a different word than some of you might expect for me to choose. In fact, the word might come across just seeming a little out of character for where my heart is, and it might not feel like it's in alignment with things I've talked about or written on my blog. But I want you to hang with me because I hope that what I share will help explain my why behind choosing this word and how it will be driving my year. To give you the backstory, back in 2017, I picked up a book called Chasing Excellence. I actually found this book from a search on Amazon. It's rare that Amazon steers me really wrongly. And so I read the premise of the book and I thought, that sounds intriguing and worth reading. So I bought the book. Little did I know that this book was going to become the basis for my word for 2019. Chasing Excellence was one of those books that you want to read both quickly and slowly. Quickly because you want to gobble it all up as it was so good. But slowly because you wanted to savor it as it was so good and you didn't want it to end. Chasing Excellence is by Ben Bergeron. He is a coach to some of the world's most well-known CrossFit athletes. If you love CrossFit, you must read this book. But even if you don't care a tiny bit about CrossFit, this book is packed with nuggets of truth and inspiration. In fact, I actually recommended it on an earlier episode of the podcast. The entire time I was reading Chasing Excellence, I was so inspired and moved and challenged And instinctively, I knew I wanted to pick the word excellence for 2019, but it also scared me a lot. Wouldn't this go against everything I had been learning and growing in? Wasn't my heart's desire to continue to work on savoring life, not living life at breakneck speed, and not feeling like I needed to hustle and climb a ladder to success? And yet, I couldn't get this word out of my mind and heart. So I took September and October of 2018 to just really mull over it. I realized there were many areas in my life where I was settling for mediocrity. I wasn't intentionally pursuing excellence. I was just doing what I'd done for a long time because it was getting me by. I had gotten stuck in a lot of ruts. They weren't terrible ruts, but they were ruts, and I wasn't seeing a lot of forward momentum. I also wasn't feeling super excited and motivated in many parts of my life, especially as a business owner in some of my personal disciplines and habits and when it came to growing as a person. Yes, I was doing a decent job in most areas, but do I just want to do a decent job at life or do I want to pursue excellence? Here's the truth. I want to pursue excellence. And so... It was decided. My word for 2019 is excellence, and I'm really excited about it. My heart's desire is to be much more intentional in how I invest my time and how I structure my life so that I'm not just coasting through, 
I want to truly be seeking to live with excellence in those few areas that matter most to me. And on the flip side, I'm really good with letting most everything else that's not on my priority list go for the season of life because I can only do a few things with excellence. If you're interested in more details on how I'm planning to practically walk out excellence in my life this year, I wrote an in-depth blog post on my word for 2019, and I'll link to it in the show notes. This post explains the six areas of my life where I'm seeking to pursue excellence. There's so much more I could say on this and why I'm so motivated by this word, but I'll close with this. Excellence for me is not about doing more or pushing myself in a way that is unhealthy. It's about pursuing excellence that is life-giving and life-changing for myself and for those closest to me. It's not perfection. It's about doing the best I can with the time, capacity, and ability I have in the season of life I'm in. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 